Hello, everybody. My name is Lat Mackey, and this is Sequence Break, episode 24, Spike Vegeta. And here he is, Spike Vegeta. How you doing, Spike? I'm doing great. How are you doing this morning? I'm already on episode 24. Dude, we are a few months into it. I never thought I'd get this far, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, a lot of these. So I've done uh, a number of you know interviews for podcasts and whatnot, and almost always... It's like, what's up, guys? Welcome to episode two. Like, <laughs> like okay, we'll see how long this. Right. Episode twenty-four. That's already something to be proud of. I know I was excited whenever we would get up to higher episodes. So I'm glad you brought that up because, okay, so I have to tell you something before we get started, and you're actually one of the reasons that I started this whole thing. <laughs> and I know this oh. may this may be insignificant to you, but um, when we did an interview for. SGDQ or AGDQ? I can't remember. One of the GDQs. I think it was yeah, SGDQ. One of them. They all <laughs> together in my head. Yeah, yeah. But before we did the interview, we were just sitting on the couch, shooting the breeze, chatting video games, chatting life. And I'm like, I'm like, there are so many interesting and intelligent and really people that are just so cool and fun in speedrunning. What a great opportunity just to chat with them. And so that was kind of the idea of like, I could just do a podcast, make a, make up a reason to talk to really interesting people. <laughs> you <know? laughs> just to have conversation. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's, the the speedrunning community is so diverse. I've met people from all walks of life who stream full time, who just speedrun for fun. And it's uh, that's the kind of the whole idea, just to just to game developers, just to, to talk with people who are passionate about what they do, you know? Absolutely. So uh, let's jump right into it. Uh, tell us a little bit about your video games. When did you first start playing video games? How did you get, when did you first start? What are your earliest memories? My earliest memory of playing video games was, so I am the fourth of five children in my family. Uh, the first two were brothers and the third was my older sister. And even she liked playing video games. So like there was tons of video games in my family. Um uh, they grew up playing stuff like Mario Brothers. I, I vividly remember watching my older brothers playing Super Mario Brothers 3 on like a TV we had in my mother's van on like like family trips and whatnot. Uh, my earliest memory was actually playing Duck Hunt and, you know, having those sharpshooter skills of getting right up on the TV screen and blasting things away with the light gun they gave you uh, and not understanding why that was a problem, why my brothers would laugh at me. Um, yeah. Duck as far as like, go ahead. No, no, Duck Hunt's one of the, I love Duck Hunt. And, and it's, it, you know, uh, my wife, that's like one of her earliest memories of video games too. She's like, and I think it sticks out because, you know, it's got a different controller. It was, it was such yes. a different type of game, you know? Yeah. Maybe it like made more sense to me as a kid. Cause I was watching uh, one of my nieces play uh, Sonic Mania a couple years ago and she was maybe like five at the time. And it's just, she's trying to shake it and everything. Like it doesn't necessarily make sense. All these buttons, what does what? Whereas like with a light gun, you're like, okay, point it at the duck. It right, makes right. sense. <laughs> um, when, when you were playing as a kid, I'm curious, I'm not sure any of us actually remember beating games, but were you the type that, I'm trying to, you know, get a feel of our sense of when speed running became an issue. Like, did you like to beat games all the way through or were you competitive at all? What was kind of the earliest video games? You know. For so you? it was awesome growing up to finding out speed running was a thing because I felt like in a way I was speed running when I was a kid from the start because we didn't have a lot of video games. Uh, I vividly remember growing up and I had like three video games for the Super Nintendo we would play. Super Mario World, Donkey Kong Country, and Mega Man X. All relatively short games, relatively easy games to get through. We had a big old clock right above the TV station where we would play our games at. And so I would get to the point where I'd be like, let me see if I can do it a little faster this time. Legitimately, yeah. 
pre, you know, back in 1995 <laughs> live split. Or That's before Andrew G. It. Okay, sorry. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but no, I would say like, oh, okay, I could be Donkey Kong Country in an hour, you know, whatever it was. And the next time, like, wait till it hits. I would like wait till it hit the top of the hour. So I have like 15 minutes sometimes. See if I can get there before like the 58 minute mark or something or whatever it might be. Um which I thought was like, okay, it must mean I'm just a complete nerd. And like, that's like, I'm the only one who would be into this sort of thing. So when I found Speed Demos Archive in 2004, I was like, oh, I have a community who's into the same weird stuff with gaming that I am. Uh, and uh, that's, you know, that's kind of common. So the folks who have been speedrunning for more than five or 10 years or so, the SDA comes up quite often. And, and what I'm just always curious, like, what's it like when you discover and you see that, you know, I, I, I actually, let me, let me back this up. Did SDA have TAS videos back then? Like, were, was TAS a thing at that point? Had people seen tool assisted speedruns? Yes. So okay. I guess the like first time, because I remember, so 2004, I was in high school. Yeah. It was probably 2002, 2003 that the famous Super Mario Brothers 3 speed run right. <laughs> was released on the internet where everyone nuts. Oh, he's beaten in 11 minutes or whatever. And of course, it came out later on that like this was someone <laughs> borrowing a task. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Up on the internet borrowing we'll call right. it as a nice word. <laughs> um, so like people knew what that was yeah it definitely existed at the time 2004 in 2004 when sta ex expanded Got to it. have more than like quake and doom runs and whatnot started cool. having more like nintendo based stuff and what were some of the ones that kind of like uh, sparked your imagination? What was some of the the early uh, SDA speedruns that you saw that uh, got you going? It was funny. One of them that stuck out, that stood out to me. I had only played a little bit of as a kid. Was the Legend of Zelda: A Link to the Past? Yeah. And there was it was the simplest strat, but it, strats always stuck out to me. Like, oh, this is so creative. Was an early room in Link to the Past. Uh, and you still do it to this day. It's the room where you get the boomerang huh. and there's a guard there who's you know guarding the chest. You have to kill him to get a key to go through a door later on. And you kill the guard, knocking him back into the wall. You open up the boomerang to the right is the guard, you know, dying and dropping the key. Instead of walking over to get the key, you throw the boomerang, let the boomerang grab the key. You're already running to the door. And then the key catches up to you as you're like, entering the next room and it's just a little thing it's like realistically it probably saves a second or two right. in the speed run but that was the first time i thought of speed running strats as a thing and i saw that the first day i learned that speed demos archive was a thing on the internet and that just blew my mind i've been hooked to speed running for 16 years since then what is the first game that you considered or that you even uh, attempted a speed run with yeah, so I guess if we consider like in the modern era, we take away my childhood right. speed running, <laughs> my clear world records I was going for. Uh, it was Kingdom Hearts 2, actually, back in 2006. So I had been paying attention to Speed Devils Archive throughout 2004, 2005, always looking when new runs would pop up. You know, it was a much smaller community and runs were like, you know, every month or so, there'd be a couple runs that come out. Uh, Kingdom Hearts 2 had come out and I found a website uh, Japanese website, Ultim Ultimania or something, some sort of website that tracked speed run times for different games. And it was probably some random set of runners for it. But I saw Kingdom Hearts 2 beaten in five hours and uh, 25 minutes or something. And I was like, oh, I think I, I could maybe do that. And that was right when the game came out. So I got a five hour and six minute time. And I thought, oh, I must be great then. So. I submitted that to SDA. Found out that time was terrible and slowly, 
slowly lowered the time as we find out with speed running. Right. Um, but, but yeah, that was my first run. A lot of those, I, from my experience and some of my research, a lot of the Japanese sites actually still exist where they share times. Just, you know, SRC is not, uh, is not the only thing in Japan. And it's interesting that the, the communities, especially because you run a lot of games that have Japanese counterparts to them. So it's, it's interesting yes. that those, is there any, you know, uh, crossover or anything like that community wise uh, from US runners to Japanese runners to some of these RPGs like Kingdom Hearts and other games? Yeah, I mean, you'll definitely have some runners from Japan reach out to us. I feel like it's become more and more over the years, but I do think it's also on a case-by-case -case basis. Um, obviously, those are the two biggest hubs, right. US-based and Japanese-based for speedrunners. Right. Um, and yeah, it's awesome whenever we get to share strats and whatnot. I, I personally love, I don't know if you're into the Olympics or I anything. I love the Olympics, yeah. Yeah, I love representation of different countries. It makes everything feel, I guess, in a way, almost more legit. Mm -hmm. Totally, I agree. love looking at a speedrun.com leaderboard and seeing like, man, there isn't an American in the top seven. Like, you got people from Brazil. You got a French runner up there. You got Japanese runners. I like, I like to imagine this world like, like 10 years from now, right. we're having like the speedrun Olympics or something right. <laughs> representing <laughs> France, representing Italy, whatever. Cheese in the chat says world championship of speedrunning when, you know, it's exactly it's such a great idea. I mean, and I do have to say, we'll get to it a little bit later, but like the GDQ thing we have seen uh, every year now, more and more international runners show up. It's not yes. just, you know, American centric, which is kind of nice. Um. So, okay. So I, I, I the, the funnest thing of doing the podcast has been to research people whose speed runs I really respect and I really enjoy and stuff like that. And going through your well has been quite an experience. Um, let's, <laughs> um, I, I guess, you know, what was like, what was the first run that might've been accepted to SDA for you? Like, do you, or, uh, do you remember which one might've been your first accepted run? Yeah. So it actually was that Kingdom Hearts. Oh, it was Kingdom Hearts. Run okay, back cool. uh, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, here's what I'll say about SDA back in the day. Their standards, I would never say were low, but like they were trying to build their database. Sure, sure. So uh, they heard someone say like Kingdom Hearts games and those were, that was a popular series, obviously still a popular series, um, even before it's 14 year wait in between games coming out. Uh, so they were excited to get stuff like Kingdom Hearts 2 up there. But I remember also my second run, uh, I submitted Rayman 2 to go up there because I love the Rayman series. Uh, I put Kingdom Hearts 1 up there at some point. Uh, yeah, I had a number of different runs go up on SDA those first couple of years. Very cool. Uh, it's I'm glad that SDA still exists in some form. Because, it does. Yes. <laughs> because it's tough when you, you know, speedrun.com hasn't ported everything over from SDA. Some communities have been better than others, like trying to bring those times and those videos in. But it's good that some of this stuff isn't getting lost, like that we still have it. We can see a run from 10 years ago, you know, in some yes. cases. So that's uh, that's that's kind of nice. Um, you uh, I'm curious, you know, when did you, so I, the, when I, as I was going down the rabbit hole here and, and I start looking at games that quick, I didn't realize how early on that you started, uh, do, had you, before you got associated or you started, how did your association or how did you get started with games done quick? When did that, when did that all start? Yeah. So, uh, I guess the first event I went to, uh, the first GDQ event period would have been classic games done quick 2010 and early of 2010. And I started watching immediately. And what was interesting to me was again, going back to the speed demos archive era, 
everything moves so much slower. I guess it's <laughs> kind of telling about technology in general as we, you know, if you wanted to send a letter to someone years and years ago, it was a long time before they got that letter, before they got a response. Now everything's instant. You're texting. Now you're sending an email at worst. Uh, so even like looking at SDA times, people would say like, oh, you go on the forum. I found this new strategy for this speed run. I'm going to implement it in this run. And you'll know in eight months, once the run gets verified and you can see what it is. So all of a sudden GDQ starts happening. And I realize like, oh, now there's this live aspect to speedrunning we can now watch and there's an entire marathon of stuff where oh they're going to be running chrono trigger at the end of this and i've been wondering what chrono trigger strats there are for years now and i'm going to just see it live i'm going to see it live and also what runners do when they mess up because when you have a finished speed run up on like speedrunners archive i almost think of that as a movie so now my theater background live streaming doing runs at marathons was like live theater Let's see what happens if I mess up. How do I go about fixing that all of a sudden? It's improv. Um, uh, yeah, I thought that was super cool. So in, in uh, the summer of 2011, I started going to Summer Games Done Quick, uh, which was just a little three-day event at the time up in Essentia's house. Uh, she had 25 people over, which is a lot, which is a tiny, tiny, tiny GDQ compared to the 3,000 people that go now. But at the time, it was like this poor woman, her husband, and her already, I think, three kids, two or three kids at that point. You can see them walking around in the video. <laughs> yeah, you can. Yeah. I had them involved in a couple of my runs back in the day. Um, yeah, it was, it was a lot of people to have there once, but not really understanding what this little $25,000 charity event was going to grow into for millions of dollars later on. You know, you just brought it up and let's, let's go down the rabbit hole just a bit. You brought up a theater background and one of the things, I'm not sure if you mentioned it or I saw it in tech somewhere, but that uh, part of doing the, the events was it's, you know, part of it is a performance and you're, you're trying to entertain and these kind of things. Um, can you tell me a little bit about your theater background? And because even from early on, you're, you were trying to entertain. It wasn't just about, you know, uh, the gameplay, which by the way is, is totally fine as well. There's great, when you start streaming, you can approach Absolutely. it any different way, but I love the performance Absolutely. aspect of it. So when did you start getting into the theater and all that kind of stuff yeah just I, I love twitch for that reason <laughs> that you can be entertaining from a lot of different oh, standpoints sure. and express yourself in a lot of different ways and it can be acceptable and different audiences can find you but yes uh in my theater background i actually so as a kid i remember uh there were these uh poems that we were asked to do in uh back in probably like first second grade or something I was the only kid in the class that was too terrified to get up in front of all the parents and my peers and do the poem. It was just reading a little poem and trying to give me the short song. I was terrified. I don't know what clicked. I remember getting into stand-up comedy when I was like 13, 14 years old and watching, watching people doing uh, jokes, telling jokes that I was like, as a 13 year old, I had no idea what that meant. <laughs> Pretty raunchy stuff. Yeah. Um, but I just thought the way they told the joke was funny. So I got to into it in that way. And eventually in high school, getting exposed to my high school theater, got to be in plays like the diary of on Frank, oh, yeah. Larry shoes, the foreigner musicals, <laughs> like anything goes funny thing happened on the way to the forum. I uh, got to do a bunch of different shows and I, I loved, I think, more than anything else in performance, uh, making people laugh. Because I always believed, even from a young age, that if you're making someone laugh, 
you generally are only making, you are almost 100% of the time only making their day better. Right. And I just thought that was really, really cool. And it, 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 it touched my heart quite a bit. And uh, yeah, so that's kind of, I guess, spilled over into wanting to be a good performer for GDQs and just streaming in general. Uh, when did you start streaming? I started streaming in 2012, I guess. 2011, when I went to SGDQ, uh, I had not even thought of streaming myself. I just wanted to go and help out with the event and get to meet a lot of speedrunners, nerd out about the different speedruns. And uh, someone there recommended, they were like, I really think you would do well as a streamer. <laughs> I, yeah, this is still in fledgling years. It was people were popping off if they could get 10 viewers to watch. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> There's a, a lot of comments in the chat, actually, about, uh, uh, you know, the, the theater background and the performance and stuff like that. Uh, you know, it, it's it's um, it's interesting because I, I, I shouldn't say assume, but watching streamers nowadays, uh, seeing how comfortable some people get with their stream and being out there, putting yourself in public and stuff like that. When I first attended my first GDQ, I just assumed they people were going to be as as outgoing as they were on stream. And it's there's a surprising amount of introverts in the speedrunning yes. community, you know? Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, not, there's not many people who actually have a theater or performance background. It's one of the things I've always appreciated about your runs and your interviews and all that kind of stuff you do at GDQ because you, you're so comfortable in front of the camera. That's that's not everyone. That's that's really that's I almost feel like that's a, a minority in the, in the speedrunning community, uh, you know. But I also but I also genuinely get impressed. And this is me not trying to deflect no, no. that in any way, because I, I do have a lot of people on like you and many others where I say, I think we could do an interview with them. And all people think, oh, it's going to be right. awkward nerds, <laughs> a bunch of introverts. Right. And people actually if you can if you can talk to anyone about their passion yeah you know something they are passionate right. about which instead might be you know a 32 a sega 32x game we can talk about <laughs> i get them to talk about the zelda run that they got coming up in a little bit they become surprisingly chatty and i love that <laughs> about about people in general is everyone almost everyone out there has like a has a voice and like something they want to nerd out yeah. about and really talk about and uh, if you can just like tap into that, all of a sudden they don't think about the fact that literally 150,000 people are watching <laughs> you pick your nose and talk about right. Sega 32X games and actually be just completely lost in it. Yeah. Um, this is a good comment. Paul had in the chat says, I think people get chatty about their games because they never had that chance before. And I right. couldn't agree with you more, Polly, because like in my real life, like almost I, nobody I know plays video games. I mean, trying to talk to my wife about video games, it's just like, she's just like, what the hell? I don't understand. What are you talking yeah. about? You know? So, <laughs> so it's like, I completely agree. This is this, that's what I, I guess that's probably why I've been so attracted to the live events because you get to talk to people about video games for like a week. It's awesome. Yes. <laughs> So um, yeah. when did, uh, if I'm curious, when did you start doing some of the hosting or some of the other duties outside of doing a run at GDQ? Yeah, so uh, I had actually started a podcast. Oh, cool. Um, uh, with a couple of my friends, Golden and uh, Sinister One. Dark Man eventually came on to replace Sinister One uh, called uh, The Final Split a number of years ago. Okay. And with that group of uh, gentlemen, I had the idea, I was, I guess, one of the founders of the concept, of we should do interviews <laughs> at Games Done Quicks. I, because I always thought I loved speedrunning at Games Done Quicks, but there was nothing going on in between runs. Right. All of a sudden, you're looking at dudes' butt cracks <laughs> as they're switching over yeah. cables 
<laughs> and a lot of those weights back then, they've, they've obviously become more efficient with it these days. But setups between runs used to sometimes take like 20 <laughs> minutes to swap over some cables. And I said, you know what? We should fill the dead time. <laughs> Again, always trying to take from that entertainment background. How can we pe keep people entertained somehow, ideally at some point, 100% of the time? And so I said, I think like interviewing runners, just going over to a side table and talking about like, what are the speed runs we've seen today? What do we think of them? Uh, I think that would be cool. And I think it was SGEQ 2015, 2014. They actually had some people like I ate your pie. I know did a few interviews, 2015, myself, golden dark man of studio was involved. We decided uh, well, we had pitched to GDQ to do it, and they finally accepted it in 2015 to start having interviews in between. And I guess it's stuck ever since. It's, you know, it's something a little more than fluff, I think, to have between <laughs> oh, yeah. segments. And again, I like that it allows runners to get to sit up there and talk about not just being in the moment and playing your game, being intense about that, but also getting to express a little bit of who you are and what makes you tick and what you're, what sort of things you're into as a streamer. Uh, I, I think it's been beneficial for runners to sort of loosen up a little bit before they go out up on stage in front of 150,000 people. I also appreciate it because sometimes you do get some insight that, uh, you know, you might not be able to get in during the run as well. If there's one thing I, I, that's almost everybody who's been on the podcast has mentioned, and I would uh, echo that sentiment, and that is that the runs go by so fast. Um, you could be doing an hour run or whatever, but it's never enough time. It feels like like your run just goes in the blink of yes. an eye, you know? <laughs> oh. So it's nice that there's there are these chances to kind of hey, dig a little deeper dive and bring something extra, which I think is a really nice. Um, you've been that you've mentioned you've you've been you've seen and been around a lot of GDQs. Are there any moments that stick out to you? Others like some of the like the high points or some of the the memorable moments from all all over a day, almost a decade now. Jeez Louise, it's a decade of GDQs. Yes, God, I, there are so many. Amazing different speed runs that have obviously happened. Uh, huge milestones. Obviously, like I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the first time getting to be on the couch for the SGD or the AGDQ 2014 finale of Chrono Trigger, and we hit a million dollars. That was like, that was just like a whole nother level where we were only a couple years removed from, yay, we raised 10,000. <laughs> it was all of a sudden realizing that like, oh, Going from when I was little Spike Machida, I was a little kid, <laughs> I feel like this is this completely niche thing I was into. Yeah. Now all of a sudden, like, no, people people love watching yeah. speedruns. People love watching video games and, like, sharing their passion for it, but also raising that money for charity for the Prevent Cancer Foundation stuff and Doctors Without Borders over the years, Direct Relief, all these different charities. So uh, definitely first time we hit a million first time we hit 2 million i believe during tgh's run of undertale mm. years ago first time we hit 3 million right. just this past year uh thought we were going to break windows and walls on that 3 million i know <laughs> it was I loud <laughs> and there's more and more people there every year right. so you're like well we're going to keep someone up um in terms of like speed runs that i have a lot of good memories of i think any time we've had a punch yeah. out run at a GDQ. Uh, it, 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 it was something to me when at that same GDQ where we hit the broke the million, AGDQ 2014, Sinister One did his initial kind of legendary run. It wasn't his first run of punch out, of the blind punch out, but it was the first one that really blew up. And he got all the way to Tyson. 
And I remember like, I believe, I think it was like Tony Reale, who's a host on some ESPN shows. Like he retweeted it or oh, something. Man. Yeah, big time. And I was like, oh, we're starting to go as speedrunning like kind of viral. Yeah. That's kind of insane to me. Like <laughs> more and more people are realizing who we are and what we do. Uh, yeah, that, that definitely is like a top moment for me was all of Sinister and Zallard's runs. AGDQ 2014 was the first one that I actually watched. And uh, when I started seeing it, first time seeing it live, and I, God, I wonder if I came in on a tweet. I wonder if it just got repeated. <laughs> That's how I looked right, at right, it. Right. You know? <laughs> this is a good question. Uh, you know, currently we're in this situation where we're still stuck at home. Things maybe are looking like they're, they might be starting to change soon. But she's asked, do you have any opinions or thoughts about the near future of events with the, you know, what's currently happening in the world? That's a really great question. I, uh, my biggest thing is I want everyone to be safe. That's that's going to be my biggest outlook. Uh, my fiance is actually immunocompromised to the whole thing. Oh, so like we're so we're a little yeah we're yeah. we're a little extra sensitive to Dude, the for whole real. subject. Yeah. Um. So for me, I know personally, <laughs> I there's going to be a wave where everything opens back up. Sure. People just say the world can only, you know, the world, the country <laughs> yeah. right now can only stay closed for so long before it says from an economic standpoint, we have to open. Right. We have to yeah. start making the machine work again. <laughs> um, and so there's going to be a first wave of everything opening back up. And my biggest fear is then we're going to have a second wave come right. afterwards. Right. So I think about the fact that SGDQ already moved back once mm -hmm. is only about three months away right now it's from potentially crazy. happening. Yeah. Uh, I hope the world obviously is completely back to normal by that point that people can go and feel safe. Things would definitely feel a little muted if you had to have a live event where every fourth or fifth chair had yeah. a person in it at all times and everyone's wearing a mask and you feel like it cannot, cannot be safe for everyone there. Uh, obviously, and I'm just bringing up SGDQ right there. There are tons of events getting canceled right now. I, I love going to events. I know there are a lot of things involved with hotel contracts to where they, people can only get out of stuff for right. so, you know, for, at such level of ease, mm -hmm. um, that being none, basically. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 I feel for all the organizers. I feel for a lot of people in this pandemic, but I feel for all the organizers of how they're possibly going to make this stuff work. I feel like SGDQ could work as an online event, including other, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. obviously people are talking about like fighting tournaments, like Evo and whatnot, oh, yeah. RPG limit break, but I know the world won't allow that at some point, And it's going to be, Something that probably hurts the internal structure for GDQs and other events for years to come. And it's, uh, I hope it's something we can recover from sooner rather than later. Hopefully I'm just being pessimistic, but we'll see. No, I'm right there with you. I'm basically hoping for the best at this time. I, I will say that it's been nice to have so many online events uh, come up and, and you know respond yes. to this. Uh, I thought uh, I participated in ESA and they had a really cool approach. Treat it as if we were sitting there live, you know, uh, uh, you know. And so you, they asked you not to have the chat up, and it was some, you got some really interesting runs from that because people were treating it as if it was you were at a live event where you wouldn't have yes. access to the Twitch chat and things like that. I thought that was a really cool approach to doing that. It was a really yeah. good way to do it. So I hope we see a lot more really cool yeah. online events in general. People seeing like, okay, how creative right. we can we get with them? Because play it's with been the formats. Structures over the years. Yeah, yeah, actually, absolutely. totally, totally agree. 
Um, and uh, so that, you know, that gives me that. that let's, let's bring it back a little bit then uh, to your stream. You do quite a few uh, different things uh, on your stream. Um, what You know, most recently you just wrapped up. I'm going to even screw up the name. M-O-M. What is what is Mom? Momom? Am I saying it correctly? Oh, Momam. Month of Mushrooms and Mayhem. For this, we just wrapped up our fifth edition of a yearly event that myself and a good friend of mine uh, was going to be the best man at my wedding if it was going to happen this year. <laughs> He's still going to be the best man at my wedding. Nice. But I ate your pie. Uh, he had an idea years ago where he was like, man, do you, I was in his stream, do you just want to like play games for a month? We'll do races and stuff. And at the time I was like, sure. Not thinking about how big of an undertaking that was going to be committing yourself to one month you know, every single day of races and whatnot. And we raced, the first year we did it was Month of Mushrooms and Master Sword specifically. We just did Mario and Zelda games. Oh, and since then, we've expanded it to a bunch of other games. But uh, we are both big college basketball fans. Obviously, we were very sad when March Madness got uh, canceled this year. Dude. But uh, having the basketball tournament, we love filling out the brackets, predicting who's going to win each basketball game, being horribly wrong by the end of the month. And uh, so we thought, let's do it as well in March. We can put out, put out brackets for people. Okay, you know, Lat, you can decide, all right, uh, in Super Metroid, who do you think is going to win between Spike Machine and I at your pie? And okay, but now Ocarina of Time, who's going to win between the two of us? And by the end of the month, whoever predicts the most correct out of, and we've got like, I think to this point, close to 4,000 entries Whoa. every year now. Whoever has the best bracket will win whatever our grand prize was. We've actually been doing a couple of uh, uh, high-end gaming PCs uh, that people can get a hold of Damn. at the end of these events. Yeah, because... <sighs> People are very generous during these. Uh, we're very fortunate, especially with what's going on, right. that uh, people have supported us so much. So we're able to give back a little bit with these big prizes, lots of you know second and third place prizes and whatnot. Um, but it's really just the time for us to chill. We do a lot of blind races. I find MoMam has exposed me to a ton of games. So I think it's really easy as a speedrunner to be like, I've played like five total video games <laughs> over the course of the last three years because I just speedrun and I binge a game and try to get better at it for a while. It's been nice actually going back. I feel like it's made me a better gamer. Same with Pi, uh, to go back and get to play just casually through a lot of these games and kind of work your mind in different ways. Uh, Cause I know for a while I felt like all I did was I played platformers. <laughs> well, I got to tell you, it seems a little bit like a grind. I remember I'd wake up, you'd be streaming and then I'd finish my work day. You'd still be streaming. And I'm like, and it was a different game and everything like that. So I'm like, damn, you just put it in the time. But I, I, I was a little bummed that I only found it this year because I was like you, the, the amount of games you bring to it, you, like you, you there's it's, it's a plethora. There is a wide variety of, games that you you play during it. and that's got to be fun to just like you mentioned like uh, uh experience the games maybe games you haven't even played before yeah one day you're playing <laughs> one day you're playing a very good game right. <laughs> uh you know some some really solid like 2d platform like a super mario wall stars the next day you're playing superman 64 for the whole thing <laughs> and i guess that's somehow maybe a better gamer going back to what i was talking about Captain Harlock um, in the yeah. chat asks, Persona 5 Royale speedrun when? <laughs> oh, my God. I was actually – me and my fiance, we both just played through Persona 5 recently on stream. 
Uh, I played through it before her, and we were watching like lore videos and whatnot. I just had this thought: I wonder how Persona Five Royale speedruns are developing right now. I wonder that with speedruns all the time, like Final Fantasy VII remake. I just played through. I've been paying attention to all the big skips they've been finding in that. I love seeing when speedruns initially drop and how they evolve over the first couple of months. I'm pretty sure Persona Five, the original, the world record is about 16 hours. So, oh my god, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's a yeah. I'm about to say, have you ever played a Persona game? You know, okay, I haven't, but I've been, I, I've been, I've hosted for uh Persona 5 and oh no, Persona uh 4 or 3, but the music in Persona games are just, I, I never get tired of hearing the, oh. the soundtracks are just oh. so freaking good. Oh, I've got one running through my head right now. God, I'm yeah, you can't I'm get banging it as, out to it. Oh, yeah, so yeah. good. <laughs> Do you have any uh, any so of uh, this year's uh, month of mayhem? Uh, uh, did you any games that stick out that you might consider doing a speedrun of, or some that you really like enjoyed? Ooh. Oh gosh, uh, there were a lot of really really good games this month. I, you know, my my plate is so full with other games that I right. am running right now. <laughs> I'm doing a bunch of other stuff. Runs. Okay, here's something that I actually really like doing. I recommend this to anyone who is into speedrunning whatsoever. Uh, as I said, I'm passionate about speedrunning. <laughs> Never is a speedrun more impressive than directly after you finish your casual playthrough. Mm. That is the time to go watch a speedrun. So something I actually have gotten into doing on my stream with people is I'll finish up playing a game casually and then we'll, in my stream, just boot up the speed run, give credit to whoever the world record holder is, and just watch the run. And we're going nuts. I just played through Shadow of the Colossus the other day. Watched through that Great run. Game. That's insane. Yeah, you're fine, you're, you see a boss that, like, took you 30 minutes to figure out. They beat him in 12 seconds because they get on their arm. They flick up with some physics and then stab him in the head and win. There's some really cool stuff. So a couple runs that I would do that with during MoMAM, uh, Jack and Daxter – is a super amazing speed run. The movement tech in that is insane. So many cool things that I obviously wasn't doing in my casual playthrough. They got lots of glitches and tricks, really well balanced run. Uh, uh, I'm trying to think of another one that was really good. I thought Kirby's Adventure for the NES was a oh, very, okay. very fun game yeah. that I thought was a cool speed run. Lots of different routes you can do for that, a lot of different categories. Um, yeah, those are a couple that stood out to me as those were some of the more impressive speed runs I got to watch after playing them initially casually jack and Daxter would be cool to mess around with because i love movement tech in general i love speed runs i don't know what i want to ask you yeah, i want to reverse sure, this sure. what what attracts you to a speed run what about a game makes you go oh this looks like something that would be fun to run gosh that's such a good question um i i think i'm going to reiterate what you said that's some of the best advice i've ever heard about starting the speed run after you play the casual playthrough i just had that experience recently and i'm going to answer your question by having this yeah, yeah, yeah so castlevania rondo of blood i've been playing through all the castlevania games and rondo is awesome game and i was like this is it was just so much fun to learn the movement of how about how different characters play in that game and so when i first started speedrunning, it was pick games that i like playing which is i still do that by the way i won't speedrun a game that i don't enjoy but then secondly the control of a character matters to me a lot. I don't I don't have enough time, unfortunately, to speedrun RPGs, which is one of my big I really want to take on an RPG at some point, and I will. But wow. you know, the the, the it's a, there are a lot of different aspects to an RPG than there are to platformers, you know? 
Yes. And so like the movement of a character, if it's fun to play the game, play play the character or the game, the controls, that's usually what attracts me. And I I think that's interesting though. The ones you're like, you're you're bringing up Kirby on on Nintendo. It's fun to play Kirby. Like it's fun that it's just fun to control Kirby as you're doing that, you know? So yeah, there's a certain (laughs) level of floatiness with it. And I find it with, platformers in general is everything feels jank people bring up <laughs> yes. the word jank all the time with yes. game i said a lot of fun with speedrun is learning how to master that Dude, jank. really like, For i real? can work around it yeah. and make someone like a kirby look like it's got this really good flow to it when at first you're like oh i don't even know what i'm doing uh yoshi's island yoshi has a specific level of jank that then could turn into a very beautiful level of flow once you've mastered it. So, yeah, absolutely. I, I could not agree with you more. I'm uh, getting me excited now because it's like there's this game <laughs> Splatterhouse that I played on the TurboGrafx-16 <laughs> that, you know, Zallard was running and I'm like, dude, this looks like fun. Yes. Uh, how do you play this game? And because for the most part, it's just like, you know, you're, it's a straight, very straightforward beat-em-up. But then when you start learning the speed run, there's all these intricate movements and to do it oh, right oh. and all this kind of stuff. And it makes it just, ah, oh, that that's that's what gets me <laughs> excited about speed run to say the least. So. That's a great speed run. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, this is a good one too. Uh, Captain Harlock asks in the chat, uh, what about randomizer speedruns? General thoughts on them? Well, and that's, I think that's one of those things, you know, Spike, you, I've seen you play randomizers on your stream and stuff like that. I think that's kind of a, a, an evolution of that where you love a game. For me, I've, I've only played Ocarina of Time randomizers, but because I'm so passionate and love the game so much, it's like a new way to play. The game almost feels new when playing them. I don't know. Yeah, you every that. time you get to play it, there's great quality of life. I've always loved Ocarina of Time, but I know one thing for me going back to it, I was like, man, these cutscenes. Oh, dude, it's forever. Oh. Uh, <laughs> It takes forever. Early, early 3D era, the game, game devs didn't realize, oh, we can make our cutscenes skippable, or we can make text scroll it literally faster than one character per second right. or per frame or whatever. Um, so getting to just go through the game and every day think, all right, it's a big puzzle that I need to complete. Then you can do randomizers as speed runs. You can do them as just complete. It's a puzzle. I just need to beat it. That's it. Right. Um, There are a lot of people who still, I don't know whether it's old boy mentality or just not really thinking about it enough, who will say, oh, randomizers aren't speedruns. If you're going to say that, then what's different with like any speedrun involving RNG is not a speedrun where, oh, it's going to be different every time you do it. Because that's all inherently that randomizers are. As long as I've always said, here's my definition of a speedrun. As long as you feel like the whole time you are trying to beat the game as fast as you can, that is a speed run you're doing. You don't have to get a certain time in it. The game doesn't have to fall under a certain rule set as long as the game can end at some point. So yeah, absolutely. I think randomizers can be speed runs. And I love the fact that speed running randomizers can ask you a lot more on your improv skills. Kind of like what I was talking about with uh, live event speed runs where there's just a lot of different things you have to consider. I have this item now. What's the best play for me to go make? Uh, You know, do I go progress through certain dungeons I need to be right now? Do I go towards item density? There's so much strategy involved. Whereas speedrunning for the most part doesn't have a lot of strategy, just like a straightforward game. You're just going, you're just executing your strats. Like maybe you're considering whether you want to go for certain strats or not. But I feel like randomizers really work that part of your brain that uh, the strategic part of it, I guess, to see how you can get through it. I 
absolutely love that aspect of randomizer speedruns. Couldn't agree with you more. And I, I've had two devs of, of uh, one of the Super Mario R, uh, Super Mario RPG randomizer and others. Yes. And it, I, I, I'm glad you brought up the strategy part because there are percentage plays you can get. Like there's a higher percentage chance of this item ending up in this place and things like that. Yes. And there have actually been some really interesting videos I've watched of people who, hey, here's my approach to speedrunning a randomizer. And I think to your point, it's... Hey, you're just trying to beat the game as fast as you can. Like that's that's yes. I speed run golf for Christ's sake, you know. So it's like yes. <laughs> you can speed run anything. It doesn't have to matter or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a good uh, question. We, uh, Captain Harlock is uh, is actually a game developer, and he goes, you know, if he wanted to make a game speed runnable, would it be beneficial to bring in a speedrunner of that genre? And I think that's a fascinating question. I'm gonna hit it up before, right before you real quick. And then we've had uh, we had um, uh, Munchakupas on, and he was you know he's a speedrunner of Shovel Knight when he was working uh, there, and and, and, you know, I think I don't think it could be more beneficial to have somebody who speed runs your game while working on it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's it, it, it is a scary line to mm. walk because speed running. <laughs> I definitely think you can plan for speed running. Right. I, I look at particularly Matt makes games, mm. these Celeste devs that they really understood speed running. I think the best thing you can do for speed runners is just. Make the game fun and give us tools. Mm -hmm. Give us fun movement. Give us good level design. Don't necessarily worry about building in like, oh, here's a skip we built into the game that you can do or anything. Let us get creative and find that stuff. But give us a fun playpen to work in. Like Celeste, the rooms are so open. You can get so creative with how you move through them that we're going to find a fun speed run. I think there are definitely a lot of indie devs in particular who have tried to make like, oh, this is the speed run mode or whatever. <laughs> and sometimes that actually removes a lot of the creativity. I think a lot of great speed runs are not great speed runs because the devs didn't necessarily <laughs> intended for them to be. It's by complete accident. Yeah. I think there are some terrible video games out there that turn out to be great speed runs. People to bring up all the time. Sonic 06. Sonic 06, yeah, exactly. Absolutely. <laughs> dumpster fire yeah. of a video game but as a speed run it actually works oh, really well totally it's got great. a lot of creative fun glitches the movement's still fun in it um so yeah and sometimes the best games out there i would say are not great speed runs necessarily <laughs> so it's a hard line to toe but the biggest thing i think is a dev going into it yeah if you can bring on someone who does understand speed running uh, maybe, you know, play test your game a little bit and whatnot. I think Munch Goobas is a great addition to Yacht Club games over there doing Shovel Knight and whatnot. I think the biggest thing is give us good tools. Right. Give us a lot of options <laughs> to work with and see if there's some balance within those options. And then let us go. Let's see what All we right. can figure out. Let it, I think that's such a good because part of the fun of speedrunning is finding out you know ways to do yes. things and do it in interesting ways. Couldn't agree with you more. I would also say that I uh, I played through Katana Zero recently and they had an interesting they they had a speedrun mode but all it did is cut out the cutscenes and I'm like that's, that's a good way to do it. <laughs> yes, that's a very simple way. To just be, okay, I I actually love the concept of that. Is here's just something for your casual playthrough. We're like I'm I'm big into lore and stories. <laughs> I I play through games like obviously Persona Five and the Phoenix Wright games. I think people have this perception outside the community that speedrunners don't care about stories. They don't care about anything going on with that. It's like, no, 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 we do. We're gamers just like you. We're just like, yeah, now on my 
45th playthrough of the game, I don't necessarily want to watch the cutscenes again. <laughs> like, it's great that, like, we can skip the cutscenes or they're just skipped automatically. Yeah, that's great. Uh, absolutely. Uh, you know, bringing this back a little bit, there, you, you do some really interesting things with your stream. And the most recent one I found, but I know it's been around now for just a little bit, is the Speedrunning Underground. What exactly is Speedrunning Underground? Tell us a little bit about that. It's pretty awesome. Yeah, speedrunning underground. So I have had a great passion, more so, I would say, even than speedrunning myself, is gaining that knowledge about speedruns. <laughs> um, like you see, like I, I love doing commentary for all sorts of different speedruns. I've done runs that for... Uh, or I've done commentary for runs at GDQs like Ratchet and Clank, a game that I have actually never played, but I just had a uh, Zem 92. He actually reached out to me and asked, Oh, would you mind being on the couch for it? And I said, I would love to learn about your run and just provide my voice. Even if I'm the role of dumb guy. <laughs> so uh, myself and uh, one of my best friends, J Hobbs two nine six, we decided we should do a speed running racing show every week where some weeks we have on games that we know by heart, a kingdom hearts two, a 3d Mario or something, a crash bandicoot, but also some weeks let's have on something like Sly Cooper. We had on a few weeks ago, a game we've never run. We got to go out this week and do research, watch commentary, piece together notes and whatnot, and then get to showcase a game at different levels. We have little prize pools with it where people can throw down subs and bits. And half of that will go to both the runners that we have racing game, just to kind of spice things up a little bit so that they feel like they have a little more to play for. Uh, yeah. And it's been a ton of fun. We've had, I believe we're coming up on 70 episodes. Oh, wow. We got the big meme number coming up uh, of all sorts of different games over the years. Uh, yeah, it's been a ton of fun to get to showcase uh, a bunch of different stuff and a bunch of different communities and a bunch of different runners. Every week we reach out to people and they're like, oh, I've never even heard of this. I'm like, love it. And, and I, I love bringing a different format to speedrunning. I think, you know, in the, especially in the past couple of years, we've seen a lot of experimenting with different types of formats and things like that. And, you know, Mitch just wrapped up a, an SMB3 uh, tournament where he, he had a point system and he gave away a cash prize. I think, uh, you know, at, at, as as much as there is an, an option for speedrunners, some people can do full-time streaming and things like that. There aren't very many opportunities to play for cash and things like that. And while I, a lot of us, you know, do this for fun, it's nice that there is some something else to play for, you know, than just uh, necessarily, um, uh, you know, winning a race or whatnot. And I think that's kind of interesting uh, uh, aspect that you brought to it. I think it's made it really fun and, and, and exciting at times. God, I'm thinking about you talking about that with Mitch. I'm like, I have been wanting to have tournaments on my stream for a long time just like a little invitational bring 16 people on and do yeah. some silly race mm -hmm. or something some silly little tournament yeah that's that's cool mitch has done that i didn't know no, no, it's, it's really fun. And, and and other ways, I mean, you know, Procentia does the Cusa Grande thing, which is he's got hundreds of people now signing up oh. for it. I mean, it's insane. <laughs> you know? Where Superman 64 is a great video. <laughs> yeah. They're so excited to get to play all those terrible games. I love that there's a, a subsect of the speedrunning community who's super into that. <laughs> So one of the ways that I've learned to uh, do some research in a short amount of time is by to look over your all-time clips. Like, what are the things that people have <laughs> clipped on your stream? And holy cow, is yours like a roller coaster of emotion watching your clips? There are just some sad, bad beats during that one. But, but um, you know, what what kind of games uh, do you uh, you know are there? Do you have a do you have you thought about what kind of games speedruns you want to do in the future and things like that? Are you going to continue? I've noticed a lot of your speedruns are 
longer games, the games that are over an hour stuff. Have you have you speedrun yeah. any shorter games ever like that or ever wanted to do anything like that? <laughs> no, I actually, I appreciate runs of a lot of different lengths. For whatever reason, maybe it's because I have a streamer mentality <laughs> where it's nice to kind of fill up right longer streams three hours has kind of become a, a sweet spot for me i really like the super mario odyssey darker mm. side category it's right there a little over three hours uh, a couple of the kingdom hearts runs that i run are right about three hours uh super mario galaxy that i ran was about three hours uh messing with some of the dark souls games because i'm slow <laughs> are around three hours so i don't know if there's something that particularly attracts me to that length of time i've also done runs that are yeah around like 30 minutes Mega Man 2 i got really into for there for a while uh donkey kong country about a 35 minute run for me at the time donkey kong country two around a 40 minute minute time um yeah so i've and then i've also on the other end of the spectrum i've run final fantasy nine it's like nine hours. <laughs> yeah it takes forever <laughs> yeah so i don't know like i i guess i have found a lot of appreciation for different links it's just kind of scheduling and planning out what i can do with them obviously you run longer games resetting's not really a <laughs> <laughs> you're just like oh i'm doing ff9 i always there was i forget uh i forget what his name is but uh it's got like war in the title or something but he's a final fantasy 10 world record holder he got to like the end of a run that is a 10 hour speed run oh, no got like nine hours in and went oh this run's bad and reset <laughs> and started over and finished a run and got world record in that one i, I Oh I my god! How do they do that? That's somehow more insane than stuff I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Have you ever uh, considered returning to a run that you maybe ran years ago? You've got Kingdom Hearts uh, on here. You've got all these things. <laughs> oh god! I so I'm actually trying to catch up on incentives right now. Mm. And then once those are incentives are done, I told people I've got my top five projects, which are all return projects: Kingdom Hearts One, Kingdom Hearts Two, Tropical mm. Freeze, Super Mario Odyssey, Darker Side, and Final Fantasy Nine. And then after that, I've got DKC2 looks really cool to go back to. DKC1 has a no major glitches category, which removes a lot of the frame perfect BS that you have to worry about when you do just an all stages run that, I, uh, that I'm that i like, ah, I kind of want to get into that. It's, I wish there were more hours in the day. <laughs> That's the truth. Uh, yeah, all my speedruns. Rayman Legends, I've thought about going back to. Rayman 1, I thought about going back to. If I had all the time in the day, I would go back to all of them and just say like, yes, there was, there was a day, a stream just a couple days ago where I did five different speed runs in a day of five completely different games oh and God. five different IPs and everything. And it just felt really good for my oh, soul. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, close, yeah, to, more time. close to war is the uh, world record order for Final close Fantasy. Close to war. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> also Epic yeah. Neon Ninja Monkey in the chat. I know he's a DKC runner and it's one of those things where it sounds like you never, you never leave DKC. It's uh, you know, <laughs> it's too good of a game. It is. Yeah, absolutely. And it's an easy one to pick back up. I feel like you can generally get back into them pretty quickly. So yeah, it's, it's nice to feel like you've got to run with basically no downtime, like, like a Donkey Kong country where you're just going the whole time. You're even skipping the little fanfares yeah. afterwards to jump into the next level. I love that about that game. Nazium says, DKC doesn't let you leave. Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> there um, you go. This came up a couple of times, and I think I do want to touch upon this just a little bit, that uh, commentary and commentating on runs and stuff like that, it seems like it comes very natural to you, even if you are the guy. I remember watching a GDQX run where you were on the couch, and it's not a game that you had played a lot of, but you brought something, the, hey, what does this mean? What does that mean? You know, you're having a conversation with, with the runner. How did you, you know, 
know, what, what are some tips or how did you evolve your commentary or commentating, uh, you know, approach and stuff like that? Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest thing to realize when you go up for commentary is that there are a bunch of different genres of commentary you can give. So one I brought up right there was I'm dumb guy. <laughs> um, I think Mike Uyama, you know, kind of the original, you know, the, the creator, uh, the owner of GDQs. Uh, he kind of came up with that concept of, hey, I sat on couches and I just asked questions. That was it. Because I think it's really easy when you're doing a speed run that you've done maybe thousands of times, literally, that you kind of forget just little things about it that you do in the run all the time. And ask. So having someone there to ask, why do you do that? And you go, oh, yeah, we do this because it speeds this up or something. And that's a question that probably 90% of the audience had, but they don't get to have that voice up there and ask. So sometimes realizing, do you just kind of fit that role? Do you fit more, uh, you know, uh, play-by-play, color guy, if anyone's into watching like, you know, sports casters and whatnot. Um, I think the biggest thing is, the biggest piece of advice I always try to give people is realize how to not over-explain mm-hmm. things. Because to a lot of people watching, even if they are a gamer, a lot of it can go over their heads. So I'll take, say, like, uh, let's say I'm commenting a Sonic the Hedgehog level. Sonic, believe it or not, goes very fast. (laughs) So there are probably 15 minute little details you can bring up in playing through Green Hill Act 1. But if you try to explain all of them, it's all going to get lost. And none of it's going to stick. I say take a level, maybe a 30-second, one-minute level, Find one to two things, the biggest details about the level, and try to, as you're building up to it, okay, so we got here. We're coming here into Green Hill Act 1. Now, halfway through this level, there is going to be this one enemy that is going to be very annoyingly just directly in the path. What we're going to try to do throughout the level now is move in a very specific way to make sure that the camera cycle loads them on at a slightly later time so that now we can get right past them before they get in their position. And looks like they just hit it, and all right, there we go. We've hit it. I think there is a lot of understanding how to set something up as a commentator and then have that direct showcase, the visual showcase, so then a viewer goes, I knew exactly what they were building up to, and then I saw it, and now my brain has been able to paint this picture, as opposed to going backwards, where you say, now back there, he actually hit this frame perfect trick, or he did this jump, and to me, I have no visual in front of me, so unless I'm going to rewind the video, I'm not going to know what you're talking about, and I'd rather you just talk about other stuff that's coming up soon. I think that's the biggest probably the, I guess the two that's kind of yeah. two winded right there twofold uh, making sure you pay, space out your commentary to know this is the one or two things I'm going to talk about in a given level or a given boss fight or whatever that might be and then how to set up commentary as opposed to go backwards with commentary I think that's a great approach and I you know I got this advice early on when I started uh, streaming was that just first of all just start talking about your gameplay and what you're trying to do like you just described you know and so if you try that on stream naturally if you're not even playing the game it might even be you know you have way less to do <laughs> than you know so uh-huh. but uh but it's it's a good great that's the way i've practiced and, and and to approach those things like that's that's a really good approach to all that uh, let's see if uh, if it's true you get a time then go hmm i could still do better i know that's the speedrunner plate <laughs> <Epic> <laughs> the engine bunker say yeah you can always do better you know but that's that's hey yep. that's that's part of it 
Um, I, I thank you uh, so much for taking some time and, and go and going through all this stuff. And thanks for asking questions in the chat, folks, because this is uh, it, it's it's nice to hear a little bit more about yourself, as because we, we we hear your voice, we see you all the time on on GQs and on your stream and stuff like that. But it's nice to to know where you, you're coming from and, and a little bit of your approach. So I appreciate you sharing that uh, with us. Absolutely. Yeah, if people want to check you out, where where are you? Where can people find you uh, on the internet? They can find me on twitch.tv slash Spike Vegeta, S-P-I-K-E-V-E-G-E-T-A. Yeah, people can uh, watch me there. I've been doing uh, a little more, I guess, work. I got so many incentives out of the way last month Mm. that I built up from doing MoMAM. This month, I'm getting to uh, work that speed run uh, uh, sport those speedrun nerves that that, <laughs> that 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 structure inside of me, uh, my speedrunning heart, trying to come up with some anatomy. Yeah, right. right. Something poignant, uh, poignant. No, who cares? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm doing like stuff like 3D Mario. I'm doing the 1120 of 3D Mario coming up, which is 120 star from SM64, 120 shine from Super Mario Sunshine, and 880 moons from Super Mario Odyssey. All back to back to back. It's gonna take me like 18 hours. We'll do that next weekend. Uh, working on. Do, we're building some casual routes for the Dark Souls trilogy because we're doing a race of that at the end of the month. Working on Kingdom Hearts speedruns because there are various events I'm doing those for coming up. So, yeah, it's as usual with my stream schedule. It's going to be loaded. We're going to do DK64 101% here in a couple of hours for Pizza Fest with the no tag barrel mod, if anyone knows Donkey Kong 64, where you can just swap Kongs willy-nilly as you go. Open that speeds it up by hours. We'll see. So, uh, yeah, lots of speed run and speed run light content, I like to call it, uh, coming up on the stream here pretty soon. Yeah. And you can see me there on Games Done Quick at most all those events. Yeah. Speaking of that, I do have to ask, did you uh, did you submit anything to any, uh, to SGDQ this year? I did. Okay, I submitted cool. uh, a Zooter oh, co-op. Yeah, there you go. Uh, with my good friend Fant. Uh, we thought co-op was a good way to represent it. We actually did run that at this past CRDQ, Corona Relief Done Quick online event. We raised $400,000 for direct relief, obviously going towards that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, yeah, and we we thought it was a hit. We thought we did a really good job. Our commentary worked really well. Just got to get m- even more people into Zooter. I know you said you got into it as well. Yeah. There are over 40,000 people in the Zooter Discord, it's, uh, which is absolutely insane. The amount of options that you can specify, you can pretty much have any sort of randomizer experience you want. Yes. <laughs> it's insane. Yeah, if, if there are things you don't want to do, turn them off. <laughs> if there are extra enhanced things, like more checks in the game you want to do, you want song sanity, you want Skulchula sanity, you know, you want the shops to be completely randomized, you can do whatever you want to that game. I love how customizable it is. Like a really good board game, I can view good randomizers as. One more question, and I almost forgot to ask this one. Is there an origin story to Spike Vegeta? Is there? A, uh, how did you get your screen name? Or if, if you could even share it. I don't even know. No, no, no. <laughs> okay. This will be the shortest answer of the day. Oh, nice. Okay. It's, I was 10 years old, and I really liked Cowboy Bebop and Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> and so I went to go make a username on some website. I think it was like a Dragon Ball Z collectible card game website. And I liked Spike, Spiegel, and Vegeta. I really liked both those characters. So I slapped Spike and Vegeta together. And 32-year-old me in 22 years has never went to go change that. So I guess I must have been a little older than 10 if that was, yeah. No, actually, 10 was probably about right. Yeah, that's 
about when that stuff would have been coming out in the States and whatnot. So, so you've been stuck with this for over 20 years now. <laughs> yes. And I'm never going to change it. I, you can't. I always thought to myself, if I could ever go back and change my name, all I would have done was just call myself Spike Fajita. <laughs> oh man. Right. Right. It right? On, dude. Yeah. Like, isn't that a great name? Yes. Like, oh my God. Genuinely, genuinely. Like, I think that would be a really cool username. <laughs> I've seen people take it when I bring that story up all the time. But uh, yeah, I'm sticking with it. Spike Vegeta till the day I die. That's going to be my username. I'll be 50 years old, still doing commentary for games done quick. They'll still be like, there's still a username up there that is literally two anime characters slapped together, which is really funny for me because I I don't hate anime in any way. I've watched like five total anime, (laughs) but that's slapping together two of them that I've watched. Okay. One more quick last question. Cause Epic, uh, you know, Epic brings up a good point. Uh, And I'll, I'll bring up a quick, really quick story. Um, He asked, Hey, ask Spike Vegeta about the TurboGrafx-16. I got to tell you, one of the things that I impressed me a bunch, cause and uh, the only thing I, I forgive my ignorance, but I wasn't too familiar with your stream when I first met you. I knew you as the guy who's on, you know, games that quick yeah, all the time, you know? So, but when he came to the interview, he had done his research and he had, you know, I, I don't know if you were familiar with TurboGrafx-16 before we, we chatted, but I was like, I was really impressed with your knowledge of the console and the system. Have you ever played anything on the TurboGrafx-16? I've never, <laughs> I, so I've always wanted to play it. I've, I've had a lot of people tell me, uh, uh, who do a lot of blind racing and like mystery tournaments and whatnot. They said the TurboGrafx-16 is the best console that 12 total people have played. Nobody's like, ever heard of. <laughs> like the library is actually insanely good. They said they think it was stronger back in the 90s than the Sega Genesis library, which I actually already like the Genesis sure, library. Early. Yeah. Um, they said like, yeah, there's, 40 or 50 great gems that people just don't know. I've never known if they've ever done like a TurboGrafx, like they do packages all the time, a collection of like Genesis classics. (laughs) Has there ever been one for the TurboGrafx-16? Because I feel like I would love to play through a lot of those games. NEC, and I don't even remember who owns it now. It's uh, Konami, I think owns it. Uh, But no, they've never, or Capcom, Capcom owns it. Okay, but Konami, oh. Konami, uh, Konami, but no, they they do have the uh, they have it. It's on the virtual console, so we do have games on the VC. But, oh, okay, that's right. And they just came out with the mini, but because of what's happening in the world, it's been a very slow rollout. They haven't been able to produce yeah. as much, but. Uh, you know, Konami. It is Konami. Okay, yeah. So they're, uh, yeah. So I, you know, we might be seeing more of it if, if the console is popular, the mini, which it sounds like it, it's done okay. So, but uh, you know, it's like you're saying, we 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 find it, it, people, similar people we've found who are passionate about it. So you know, we we huddle <laughs> together and we, you know, we enjoy supporting it and stuff like that. And I think there, there's been, you know, because of the virtual console, we have seen more runners uh, show up, thankfully, because of it. So yeah, that's awesome. And I'm glad to see GDQs have kind of made. Uh, different corners of the schedule. Obviously, you could show Mario and Zelda all day sure. and make a lot of money, but I think it's cool that they've looked out. What are some like different corners of the speedrunning community we can play towards? I think it's awesome that TurboGrafx-16 has had a run in each of these yes, last absolutely. And hopefully those keep going. And yeah, like I said, I, I every time I've watched the TurboGrafx-16 run into GDQ, I think, man, <laughs> these games look really good. And I feel like probably 12 total people. Yeah. 
that's about it. That's 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 our average. I would say that's about. It. Although I will say that every time there is a run at GDQ, two or three people show up in the uh, in the Discord, and we'd see a new runner join a bonk game or something. Yeah. So it's been great for us. I'll take an extra runner. That's a huge percentage Absolutely. of our community. Yes, I was about to say there are a lot of spirit of communities out there. Yeah, you got Super Mario sixty four and Odyssey and Ocarina. Right. Like we got two thousand yeah. people, but then like a lot of games are like we just got a fourth runner. <laughs> It's awesome. We love it. Someone that isn't a bronze medalist on speedrun.com. It's awesome. Thanks everyone for listening and watching. If you're enjoying the podcast, subscribe, leave a review. All those things go a long way to helping out the podcast. If you'd like to continue the conversation, I'm on Twitter at LatMackey, or you can also join the LatMackey Discord where we have a sequence break channel. We talk about guests. We have questions. It's really interactive, really fun. Please feel free to stop on by. Thanks so much. See you in the next one.